Welcome to the Road to Black Podcasts, brought to you by the BJJ Physio. The BJJ Physio helps optimize the training of jiu-jitsu athletes so they can dominate their next performance. How do they do this? They provide strength and conditioning, physical therapy, and heart rate-based conditioning through a completely remote and online management system. Meaning you can be anywhere in the world and take your BJJ performance to the next level. Contact Dr. Wesley Reed at info at thebjjphysio.online or follow him at the BJJ Physio on Instagram to find out more. Also brought to you by Roll Union Jiu-Jitsu. Visit rollunion.com and follow Roll Union on Instagram to shop the latest jiu-jitsu styles. Roll Union brings you the best fitting geese on the market, the most comfortable rash guards, and premium soft jiu-jitsu tees. Next time you're in the market for some new gear, check out RollUnion.com for the stylish and the savage. Lastly, we're brought to you by DownToRoll.com. DownToRoll.com was born out of the need for an innovative way to find BJJ training partners during the COVID-19 crisis. With gyms being shut down for many across the globe, you can register at DownToRoll.com and find small group training partners in your area. You can message partners directly from the map and interact with other like-minded players on the Down to Roll exclusive network. Go to downtoroll.com and start training again now. Thanks for supporting our sponsors, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the Road to Black podcast. Wes, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm... uh it's not quite as hot here as it is uh, where you're at, but oh, you heard it was hot here. It's you warm, <laughs> warm down there. Yeah, I've been following it, and uh, it's like, man, it is, it is kicking up. It's what we're getting. A lot of that that heat is coming up and coming across, kind of where we're at. So we're yeah. getting a bunch of, um, we're getting a bunch of the heat and some smoke from. I guess there's some fires down there. Is that right? Down here too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole west, man. It was. Uh, I I shared a a cool a cool an interesting article the other day on the weather and like the heat um the whole heat aspect and how it is not normal like this isn't mm-hmm. just another normal summer or or normal phase of summers for the whole west including Colorado you know the Rocky Mountains everything yeah. really west of the Rocky Mountains it's like we're in this like call it whatever it is global warming climate change all of the above you know whether it's man-made contributed but the climate's changing right and it's getting hotter and hotter you know i grew up here in arizona and i've been talking a lot of other people that grew up here lately especially last week it was uh you know i think we had early june a full week straight of 117 for the high and in a couple of those days it broke records i mean it was 118 the other day um like when i was younger a teenager it would get up into you know i remember there was one day it was 122 but when it got to like 115 it was like big news you know Mm -hmm. and it wasn't all the time where now it's like the entire month of june is 115 you know it's so crazy it's just so hot um and it's like, is that just because it's getting hotter and hotter every year? You know, last summer we set so many records here in Phoenix. It's yeah, it was like the most hundred degree days, most hundred and ten, most hundred and fifteen degree days, the longest summer ever. It was just crazy. It was, um, 
But this article went down into the science behind it, you know, and, and studying, I don't know, these people that love weather and they just study this stuff, you know. And I guess there's some type of like almost like a heat dome or heat pocket that's being created or heat dome that mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't really understand a lot of it, but these things do happen and they've happened here in the Valley and over the whole West, you know, California has seen ex- California is hotter than it's ever been. You know, these mm-hmm. last, this last decade, it's just blazing hot where even on the coast, you know, you just never ran into that. And now that's just, it's hot everywhere. There's, you know, fires everywhere all through the West, but they're saying that these long extended heat domes or whatever they're calling them, um, they're happening more frequently where they used to see them like here in the Valley that you'd see one, one in like August. I think I, re- if I remember the article correctly, but now it's like you're seeing, starting to see them in June. I think there's another one due here in a week or two where it's like excessive heat, like a seven to 10 days long of just blaze, you know? So it was interesting, but it was like the whole point of the article was, is the whole West is seeing this. So it's just mm-hmm. like this. And that's why there's so much extreme drought now, you know, uh, especially like in the wilderness areas in Arizona, those are the ones that are suffering the yeah. most because there's so much timber. There's so much, uh, vegetation, you know, there, it's not adapted to the desert environment. Um, but that's climate change. You know, it's like Arizona didn't look the way it was. 10,000 years ago, or it's mm-hmm. not going to look the way it is 10,000 years from now, you know? Um, Egypt used to be a tropical forest, you mm-hmm. know, and now it's just a barren desert. So yep. it's like, you know, these things come and go, but it's like we're living through this extreme, especially if you've lived here a long time. You know, I've lived here for decades and it's crazy, man. It's, you get used to it, obviously, but it, it wears on you. And it's like, it's just getting more and more excessive. You know, it's like more and more hot. Just it's uh not a good place to be homeless or outside yeah. or you know, it's it's tough out here. Yeah. So and yeah, it's, we're having a lot of heat. I mean, it's like we're right. I was telling you before the podcast, it's like uh if you plan on coming to visit Arizona, it's now, you know, basically for the next three or four months you just have to prepare to be in the heat, you know. Yeah. And go from air air conditioned room to air conditioned room. Mm-hmm. But you know how it is. Yep. Yeah, I'm definitely used to that. But uh it's been hot the last couple of years and I'm I don't know if um hopefully you guys get some monsoons this year. I know last year was pretty uh was pretty non existent. The, yeah. They're yeah, non existent. So That's another thing, you know. There's not every summer we'd just get storms, you know. And I used to work uh I saw this when I used to work for the power company. Because every uh, monsoon, we would we'd get a ton of overtime as employees. Because I would go out with crews, and there'd be power poles down, and we'd have to clean up the poles and bring new material out to the field. And I'm talking like miles of poles out here, you know. When especially when the infrastructure wasn't as strong, and like in the '90s here, in the late '90s, um, poles would just the monsoons would come down, and there'd just be miles of electrical poles down. And people would be out of power for a week, you know. Now the infrastructure is really built up because they all blew <laughs> of decades of them blowing down, you know. So now they put steel poles up and, you know, every, if you look out here, um, most like lines you see that run down, you know, the big power lines, you'll see that every several poles are steel. 
So you see a steel pole because that obviously reinforces the whole line. Mm -hmm. If you just have a line of wood poles, they're all going down like toothpicks. I mean, you've seen some of the, if you don't live here in Arizona, some of the monsoon storms, I mean, we get like these microbursts that it's literally like a tornado that comes down yeah. and it'll rip a house roof off. Yeah, um, for sure. It literally, it I mean, oh no, it, my kid's we, house, my kid's house with their mother, their whole neighborhood got trashed and out in Southeast Gilbert, probably five years ago, six years ago. Roof, mm -hmm. I mean, literally roofs got ripped off of homes. It's like, you don't expect stuff like that out here, but it's crazy, man. You can hit get these little tornado bursts and these huge monsoons, and you've seen like the hub the haboobs or whatever they call them, those big mm -hmm. dust storms that just the pictures from like helicopters are crazy. Yeah. It's just a big dust bowl. But yeah. it can get violent here, but the last couple of years, nothing, man. It's yeah. weird. On that note, but, how's your training going? Good. It's going good. Yeah. Just trying Same, to be man. consistent. Um, you know, I've, I'm building myself back up after my back was just tweaked, as you've heard here on the show, for like a, probably a couple months. And I, I trained pretty hard last week. I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, not 100% or anything. I took rounds off. I was training smart. Let's just say that. But I rolled every day several times, you know, that I was there. And, um, it's a, after that week is a little bit like, cause I, I took a week off and went to California, um, a couple of weeks ago and didn't do anything. Didn't train, didn't go to the gym while I was there, just completely relaxed. And literally my, my back strain was that when I came back, it was per, I didn't feel it at all, you know? So I really gave it some time. And then I went back into the gym and, um, started jujitsu and, after last week it was it's a it's a little bit tweaked but it's going good you know it's just one of those things it takes time with that and i've just been trying to stretch it out and keep it loose and mm -hmm. um so it's i'm feeling good you know but it's that's only one week a week and a half of training back after you know so uh you know me i'm a strong believer especially as you get older it's like you got to build that momentum back up um i can't just jump in there and i mean i yeah you, you end up doing that you end up like because you get in rolls and you start going hard and mm -hmm. it's fun, you know, that's what, that's what we do. So you really got to kind of be cognizant of that. And that's what I've been trying to do is just pick and choose my roles and um, just be smart and not go too hard because I just haven't been training the last yeah. couple of months, really. I mean, light stuff, you know, I have students that I'll roll with, especially newer people or white belts or young. We have a couple younger um one of my good friends, George, he brings his sons in in the mornings now. So, you know, these these kids are 14 and they're younger than 14. So mm -hmm. um, brand new. So I spent a lot of time during that time when I knew I wasn't rolling with the crew. Um, I would take them aside and do some, you know, one on one training during the rolls. So I'm oh, I'm always on the mats every week, but now I'm starting to pick it up a little bit. Um and just kind of build up, you know, and see where that goes. That's, yeah, that's awesome, man. It's been my philosophy, you know. It's just been a rough year, knee injury, and I mean, it's been. It's always like that for me, though. <laughs> I say yeah. that, but you know, the last three, four years, I've had something go on here and there where I've had to dial it back a little bit. But uh, I'd be, I'd yeah. much rather be in that position where um, I'm always pushing it, you know, 
mm-hmm. and, and and having to dial it back a little bit versus not being motivated or I hate not training, so I, I love it. So, I, but I only I really love it when I'm healthy, you know. Yeah, and I can I can play my game and. But you know, I'm just so the last week I'm just trying to get my cardio back up and stuff, and you know how that how fast goes. We've been talking about that the other day. It's like sometimes it takes months to build it up, and then like you're off one week, and it feels like it goes away completely in jujitsu. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, for sure. So, how about yeah, you? Uh, yeah, man, training things are going. Uh, things are going awesome. You know, nice. um, teaching teaching a couple classes here um, through the week. Then we've got an open map. We had, so I think I told you off the podcast, uh, maybe a week or so ago that I was, I, I bought some more mats and I expanded my training area. So, um, I got all that squared away and, um, I'm basically maxed out on mat space and until I either move to like a fold down desk coming out of the wall or, um, (laughs) Move your office you know, inside, move, maybe move my office or blow out a wall and go, go further. Yeah. Um, but it was nice. We kind of tested it out this last weekend as far as capacity. And we were pretty successful in having two groups rolling at the same time. So we had a group of five over here over the mm-hmm. weekend. So we had two groups rolling and one person, the person that was out is responsible for just if people get too close to each other, just kind of standing in the middle, making sure nobody like a foot doesn't extend and, you know, hurt the, the group on the other side. And, you know, we've got, we've got blue belts, purple belts, brown belts here. So most mm-hmm. people are pretty savvy with the way that they utilize the space and they're watching out for everybody. And then with that fifth person off the mat, I feel, you know, very confident that, you know, we've got a pretty safe training environment. So it's nice having that extra room. So, nice. you know, we're, um, it's, it's, it's been awesome. You know, teaching has been, uh, has been fun. Organizing information has been fun and putting together lesson plans and actually being able to, uh, dive into content and curriculum and kind of design it, you know, and spend, spend time in, in something. It's, I think it's nice for what we're doing here. Um, we talked off the podcast, I think last week too, how much we both enjoyed training in a small group because, you know, we're not, you know, we, we spent, we spent like a month on bottom De La Hiva, you know, like we were able to do that and we, you know, we went over points of control and Mm -hmm. what our goals are for these positions, how to do resets, um, all that type of stuff. We're going to spend another probably three or four weeks on passing yeah. De La Hiva. So um, it's nice to be able to spend that time and not feel like you have to just rush through a curriculum to get as yeah. many techniques and, um, you know, introducing, you know, you're not introducing conceptual stuff and trying to work on just showing the basics of how to finish a triangle choke or, right. you know, so we're able to actually develop, we're actually able to spend time in a curriculum and really dive deep and yeah, put some of the concepts together. So that's been, that's been really fun and really nice for me to have to teach it. Yeah. It's, so. uh, I like, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging, you know, <clears throat> it's challenging and it's, it's not easy, you know, to develop, curriculum and because 
we're both brown belts, but I mean, we've learned a ton of stuff over our career, you know, a mm-hmm. ton of stuff, but how much can you recall? How much can you recall to teach? You know, um, even the stuff that you think you'd know And I, this could be anybody that's teaching could be a black belt. Are you covering all the, are you really covering all the details or do you, you know, I find myself even mm-hmm. still doing that. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, I got all the details here. You know, I, and I teach a class or something. And even when I think back on it or I'll look back or think about the lesson, I'm like, oh, I didn't even mention this part that I just took for granted that most mm-hmm. people would know this. But when I'm teaching a fundamentals class, I have to like dumb it down all the way, you know? So it really does make you think as an instructor mm-hmm. and as a learner. Um, so, and this doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a, 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 a you know, in air quotes, an instructor somewhere, but let's say you're a purple belt and you're showing a a new white belt, a move, you know, that's to me, that's teaching, right? You're teaching someone, you're not a teacher and maybe you're not an instructor, but you're helping out. This happens all over. It happens all the time. That's what we do. We share experiences, right? So if you're an upper belt and you're showing something to someone, always remember that is they might not have the same experience and, and, uh, base knowledge that you do. So sometimes mm-hmm. you have to really take it all the way back. Where's the position of the knee? You know, something that you might not, you know, and you see that the greatest instructors do this. And that's where I'm really learning a lot from watching a lot of videos and, you know, like a Donaher or something where it's like every aspect is covered, you know, it's mm-hmm. just almost to where you're like, Oh my God, this is so much here, you know? Yeah. But that's really important because People learn differently. They pick up on different things. And really, to have true deep knowledge in jiu-jitsu, you need to know those things, you know? You don't want to have this artificial or, let's say, a thin layer of knowledge on different aspects. You know, you want to have mm-hmm. a deep layer of knowledge. And uh, you talk about, like, I really i am impressed of, like, the little training group that you've created. And um it's it's awesome man it's like you're starting to put together plans and teach people stuff and uh and and i know they've shared a lot of their they've shared feedback with you and they're really enjoying the you know the the extended learning like you said i mean i think that i like that too um and especially if you can control it where you're doing where you're like working on something one thing for a long time yeah that stuff tends to stick stick more with me i think it's just natural if you're gonna really drill it for a few weeks, it's going to stick. But we talked about this on the podcast before. Are you a student under that plan? And are you going one time a week? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're doing four days a week in Wes's garage for three weeks on the Daily Eva, you're going to remember a lot of that. You know, you're you're pounding it into your mind. Um, And I try to do that when we set up some of our training too, is go – a couple, at least a couple weeks of, and not, not like, cause you know, you could do three weeks on daily Eva and your three weeks is different than mine. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to cover everything in three weeks. Sure. So you have to pick certain aspects of that lesson or that guard that you're teaching. Um, and it might not be, you know, Dave over there in the corner might know he might be a black belt you guys are both black belts and maybe his idea of what to do in De La Hiva is totally different than you, mm-hmm. but that's the beauty of jujitsu. We learn from each other. You know, it's, um, 
obviously you, you, you recall and learn, and I teach a lot of stuff that my professors have taught me, but also I show a lot of stuff that I've incorporated from other professors, whether it be online or my friends or uh, even training partners, you know, um, mm-hmm. I learn a lot from everyone. So um, I say that because I was on <clears throat> social media yesterday and I saw this, I'm not even going to go into the details, but it was a completely unrelated. It was a, it was a jujitsu post. And I, I was looking at the comments cause it was kind of, I don't even know if it was a Gordon Ryan post or something. It was definitely something where I wanted to see what people were saying. Um, because number one, I have, we have a jujitsu podcast, so I like to mm-hmm. see what people are saying about everything. Um, you have to kind of be in the know. Um, yeah. I have a jujitsu apparel company. So if people are talking apparel, I'm in the comments. I'm in there. I'm looking to mm-hmm. see what people like, what, what they don't like about certain brands. That's just what I do. So in this particular instance, um, this guy was having a back and forth with someone and it was just stupid. It was actually, I'm not going to, I won't say what it was about because I don't want to track this back. I don't even know who this person is, but I believe it was somewhere here in the, in the, in the Arizona, but the guy I clicked on his profile just because he was like going back. It was basically a guy that was going back and forth and arguing with someone. I'm just like, who's this know-it-all? It was like this guy who just was such a know-it-all and it wasn't really like, he wasn't even really saying the right thing. So I was just one of those things where you click on, I'm like, I got to see who this is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I look at this guy's profile, you know, he maybe has a hundred and something followers. He doesn't, he's not like a big name. He's a white mm-hmm. belt. Okay. I see this guy, he's a white belt and his very most recent video is an instructional. No. Yeah. And I click on it. I was like, is this guy the instructor? But he wasn't. He was, he was the guy helping the instructor, the uke or whatever they call these guys. Um, so he's on bottom and the other guy was actually showing how to, he had this other guy in closed guard and the guy that was teaching was inside the closed guard. He was a four stripe white belt. The other guy. Four stripe. Yeah. And it was like a professional, like they were in some kind of training room. This is my point is that not everybody, these guys that are training with you, I know their experience at their gym. I won't get too much into it, but they're learning a lot from you. Let's say you've had a lot of experience. You've had different instructors. You've been all, you know, you're the last two instructors you've been under legends. Okay. Yeah. So to have these guys learn from you, they're very fortunate. So I'm just going to tell you that because, and you got to be proud of that because you have knowledge now over so many years that you can share with people. And quite frankly, you can sell it if you wanted to, you know, that's it across the board. If you're, if you have knowledge in something, whether it's name it, you're an artist, you're, you're, you're a computer programmer. If you have skills, those are relatable and you can make a career out of them, or at least people will pay you to educate them in those Mm -hmm. things. So that's something to be proud of because I kind of looked at this video. First of all, I was kind of set aback. I was like, why is this? It was almost like they were making a BJJ fanatics video. I'm like, what is these guys are way too serious. Like, and here's the thing that it was completely bad technique. 
you know? Mm -hmm. And this guy's here showing it. These guys are showing it. Like, I don't know if they didn't have a, so part of it, part of what it was in there is it says, Hey, our BJJ club is growing. That's what I saw. One of the comments or something. And literally this guy didn't have any, he maybe had three likes. So I was just like, okay, here's a guy. It was just interesting. Here's a guy that maybe they have this little BJJ club, you know, in their garage set up, but he's learning from this like three or four stripe white belt who's teaching him bad from one of the most basic positions inside the closed guard, like a bad escape. Yeah. Like literally the guy was like, oh, you got to put your head down. Just yeah. Inside closed guard. It, it was crazy, man. And I, I just, that immediately came up as like, you know, small group training is good, but and and like we we mentioned down to roll.com on the podcast, you know, you've been involved with that. Um you gotta still have quality instruction. Yeah. You gotta you figure gotta out a people. way. Yes, you gotta have people that know what they're doing, or you're really just wasting your time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or spinning your wheels, you know. Yeah. So I think you gotta recognize that though. I mean, you gotta recognize that. A lot of that I think is ego too. This guy, this other white belt probably learned some stuff and he, he wanted to show it, but it's like, it's not time for professional videos yet, buddy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that easy and you don't want to open yourself up to that criticism. Here I am some stranger. I just see it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is not real good for that <laughs> training group. <laughs> it's like not good technique. Maybe if it was some really good stuff. Cause you could be a, a year or two white belt and maybe you know one thing really good and you you, you can mimic what your professor does right I mean, for sure you know we've all done that i mean that's how you learn yeah for you sure know? Um, some of the things i teach i teach specifically how i was taught you know very mm-hmm. very specifically like i remember learning those things so that's what we do but my point was is right away i noticed i'm like okay here's maybe the little bit of a downside from small group about for yeah. small group training is like, and we talked about this before in the podcast where you might not have access to a lot of live experience, let's say mm-hmm. live people, because even these guys, they could have been somewhere where they don't have a gym around them. They might be learning on YouTube and there's a lot of stuff out there on YouTube, but you know, as well as I do, you have to be on the mat and sometimes you need that skilled person right there with you placing your hand on the call showing you yeah physically what what's going on here you know because even if you're learning online you could be scroll you could be hey i, I got this hour-long youtube I'm, I'm learning this stuff where you could even be playing the, the video while you're training right and you can pause it and what but what happens if you have a question you know or or you don't understand that part. That instructor, that video just moved right on by. They keep going. And here you are left with maybe not the, the correct, you know. So totally. It's totally. I'm it made me real, really feel fortunate for my experience, but also I went and found that experience. You know, I was smart enough to know, yeah, hey, I'm not gonna be able because even when I started, I knew a couple guys that were doing small group training because there wasn't a ton of gyms out here. And I knew somebody that kind of invited me to train. And I was just like, if I'm going to do this, I need to go to somebody that's <laughs> knows what they're doing. You know, it's yeah. like, 
Um, anyway, that was just an interesting thing. It, it just does show those jujitsu's really blowing up where you have white belts teaching white belts on mm-hmm. making videos and stuff. And, you know, like I said before, if, if it's legit, that's one thing, but, and we've talked about this before in the podcast. If you're, if you're that blue belt that likes to help lower belts, make sure you, you know, you're doing due, due diligence and teaching the right thing or make it basic yeah. enough that everyone's understanding, you know, um, it's not rocket science, but there's a lot to jujitsu. This goes back to the whole point of how do you pick and choose what you're teaching or what mm-hmm. you're learning. So that's something we wanted to talk about was the organization of learning or the organization of um, you, your approach to learning jujitsu, let's say. And I think it's a real interesting topic because we could probably, you and I could pull different coaches, different instructors, gym owners. We could even pull the guys, the, the gentlemen that we've had on as guests. Yeah. Um, all of them have te- taught before um, or are currently teaching. How do they approach like the, the breadth of jujitsu and like, how do you tackle? There's so much to tackle. Right. So I wanted to ask you what your opinion was on that. I have some, I have some, some approaches that I've been following for years and I can actually throw out some names that I really like in this uh, space of jujitsu, the, the conceptual approach to how to train. So what is your, I know we've talked about this before and I know you really do focus on some of those things, but like when you're showing the, the De La Hiva back and forth or whatever it might be points of control, you've mentioned that. What is your approach to teaching, even if it's just a position or how do you foresee yourself? And let's say a, a new white belt comes in brand new. I'm in the training group. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't really stop everyone else's progress to just dump, you know, everything has to be focused on this one person that doesn't even know how to pull guard or whatever. So that can yeah. be the challenge is how do you like get them going on, get them on the train of learning, but also not leaving other people behind. But let's say it is just a new person. What do you do? <laughs> it's, oh, you know, I mean, it's a difficult question. It's like, where do you start? There's so much to learn. There's so much for to sure. Learn. I think I'm, I'm fortunate in my situation where I've got everyone in here is a blue belt or higher. So that is an automatic advantage right there. Just, yeah, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about, I'm I'm not so much concerned about teaching a triangle choke. Yeah. Um, you know, I think with a new person, if it's a day one person, um, you know, that, that, that basic type of stuff that, you know, it has to fit somewhere in a curriculum. So I don't know, you know, maybe, uh, what I've seen in the past and I was be something that I would probably employ, um, is I've seen, and I guess now that I've got a little bit more space, I can, I have a little bit more ability to probably do something like this. Um, but what I've seen in the past is more i've seen him basically a mat get split so he will teach a fundamental technique maybe it's the same stuff or similar things similar um 
maybe I'm teaching a triangle choke, but I'm teaching, you know, a series of moves to my advanced students that lead to a triangle choke. Mm -hmm. So you teach the triangle choke, you have your beginners, and this is probably what I would do is I would have uh, a newer, if it's a day one person, I would have, I would split them off onto the side of the mat and have them just, you're just going to focus on this. Yeah. Um, and then I would have another group of students that I would, I'd get, get the beginner going, watch them do it a couple times. And then I would teach the other series, let them do it knowing that I can kind of watch how they're doing it at the same time as watching the the beginner. Um, and then I would, I would really try and get the the new person, try and spun up on some of those finer details. Um, that's, that's how I've seen it done in the past at a, a, a couple other gyms where they would split new people off. They're just working on very fundamental things. Yeah. And then they, he would teach a, he'd teach advanced students and then he would kind of monitor however, everybody, how things are going and make adjustments where he yeah. needs to. Um, that makes sense. It's, it's, it's tricky though, uh, for sure, because you know, you can't, you can't stick a day one white belt in and say, yeah, we're going to do mm -hmm. a Delahiva reset going into some sort of, you know, sweep, whatever, yeah. you know, you, it's just, it's over the, it's over the person's head. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you probably run into that more with small group training and small academy yeah training where um you know at our gym it's a big enough gym where there's fundamental classes mm -hmm. so you can you know very specifically take beginner courses you know and there's enough students and there's instructors in there where you can control all that but it's when mm -hmm. you get into a mixed levels or you know obviously if you just have one you might have just gi, gi jiu-jitsu or no gi jiu-jitsu at your gym, your academy, then you're going to get everyone from a white belt to a black belt and they have different needs as students. Right. So mm -hmm. that can be a challenge, you know? Um, I think also for, you know, that's, that's kind of on the instructor, but you as a learner in jujitsu, <clears throat> I kind of wanted to talk about this is like, what is your approach? Not you, but listeners out there. What's your approach to learning? You know, um, how are you taking the information in and um, storing it? Let's say, mm -hmm. what files are you putting it in? You know, yeah. Um, what's your file system look like? Is it sloppy and there's shit everywhere? Because I've I've been like that too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. So, you know, it's like uh, I'm taking all this information in. I'm not really packaging it. <clears throat> And absolutely, when I was new, I did that all the time, you know, because I didn't know you're just taking as much information in as you can. But the sooner you can kind of um, maybe have maybe have more of a focused approach on how you're retaining that information, mm -hmm. um, the better you, better off you are. And but that yeah. does take. We've talked about that the nauseum here. It does take extra time. It takes. Uh, you know, we talked about that even with Patrick. In the last episode, it's like some people are lazy. They don't want to take the extra effort, whether it's external training or even 
gathering your thoughts or, or taking notes, you know, or, mm-hmm. or like for what he said is like mind mapping, that type of thing. Um, I've talked about jujitsu maps before, like, uh, that's kind of like the way I see. Um, so one of the guys I like to follow on <clears throat> social media is probably one of my most, my, my favorite follows is John Thomas BJJ. So mm-hmm. yeah, he is, the guy is like, he's just such a great, uh, he has great, a great conceptual idea of how to study and learn jujitsu. So I've been following this guy for years. Um, I really believe in a lot of how he, his approach to mm-hmm. how to learn jujitsu. Um, right away when I first started, well, I had the same approach here. The way I look at jujitsu is, and this is just the way I always saw, even as a white and blue belt, is you have all of these different positions, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Or let's say guard positions. Let's say positions. Because it could be a guard. It could be a top game. It could be um, on the feet, standing. It could mm-hmm. be on your knees, right when you're bumping fists. That literally. So there's all these little windows. And I've always thought like, Okay, I have half guard, I have top half, I have uh, whatever it is, you know, passing De La Hiva, like to your point, De La Hiva, and then the flip side, passing the De La Hiva. I always see these positions, and in my mind, I was always like, okay, I got to develop all of these, um, and then I can start understanding and how to connect them, right? Mm-hmm. That's basic stuff. Like, yeah, um, that should be a no-brainer. That's... But that's very difficult to do. Yeah. And to, and to John's point is um, that takes many years to do, right? And this is what I've talked about before with jujitsu maps is like, that's why it's important to at least know those positions or know what you're strong in and what you need to work on so that you can identify when you're in a position and what that position is good for. Or how much do you know in that position? and can I transition out to something else? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so let me try to remember, I, I have a, maybe I'll link it, but I, John has, John Thomas has a great video out there and it's, it's basically on this exact point. And his point is, is he looks at all the different positions as mini games. And I think he, co- he uses that term mini games. And I love this. I love this, uh, explanation. So, Let's say the first the first mini game is like you're standing. So you have a game and, and both of you know what you need to do, right? You're either going to take them down or pull guard. Something's going to happen there. It's not really going to be a ton of submissions from that position. So you have to identify first. And that is that can be one training aspect. And that is, right? People work stand up. You work it back and forth. You can pull guard on some day. You know, that should be a part of your training. Then let's say you pull um, an open guard, or let's say you pull into like a, like a leg lasso or something. Now you're in this other mini game. And so do you have in that game, what is, you know, basically you, his idea is that from every little position you should, let's say every guard, you should either be able to sweep, submit, or transition to something else. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's true. He just puts these in, he puts this uh, guidance into a way that you can really understand it, but this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're not doing this just to sit there all day. 
sometimes we stall. Um, and he has a point for that too. He's got a lot of cool um, thoughts on jujitsu, but the point is, is that the more you go through time, the more you set up these little positions and we all do this already. You know, if you're a closed guard player, you get somebody in your closed guard during training, you know what your strengths are. If you've been training a while, Yeah, you know, what sweep might work, what submissions might work. Um, and do you develop a transition to something else? And that's his point is you need to be able to do that. Now, if you're in like a blue belt, you might only have a couple of these mini games mastered. Mm-hmm. So you might have a closed guard game and you might have, maybe you like to pass and go to flat half or something and you might, mm-hmm. or a top half player, you know, pressure passer or something. Maybe you have that down. There's a lot of these in jujitsu. So his point is, is you, you should master each one so that you have a sweep, a submission and a transition to something else. But he's not necessarily saying that every time in your enclosed guard, you should transition to this. He doesn't look at it like a path where I'm in closed guard. I'm going to sweep to mount to best to this, this. No, he just like, just have those three aspects down, submit, Mm -hmm. sweep or transition from every position. So then if you get in trouble, then, you know, let's say, and his point was, is like, uh, let's just take closed guard. Closed guard is, is a, a very strong guard for attacks and submissions. It's a strong guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's not the greatest guard for sweeps. Someone's on their knees. They can really base, as you know, it's a flower sweep isn't always super easy. Like you have to do yeah. stuff to set that up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it can be a good stalling position. So he also talks a lot about where, especially if you're a competitor, you might be going through match after match after match. You need to be able to get to a position where you can stall a little bit because not all guards are stalling guards, as you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some guards, if you start stopping, someone's going to immediately take advantage of you stopping. Some guards, you have to be more active. So very cool camp concepts, you know? So over time, you, you develop you're playing if you look at your training that way you can start focusing on what needs to be done so he's mm-hmm. basically saying let's say someone puts you in a position where you're playing a guard that maybe you're not familiar with maybe you get into a single leg x or something and someone that's your mini game you have to realize that's my game now and and we do we we realize you know if you've been training long enough i'm in single leg x and you try to recall what you're trying to what do I know from here? Or am I just yep. sitting there? You know, what do I do? If you get passed right away, then that, that should be a, an, or, or let's say you're in a tournament and obviously in a tournament, it's going to really stick in your mind. But if, if you get passed or taken advantage of in that position, he's like, that's what you need to work on, you know? And he comes all the way back for this. And I really believe in this too, is you just, you're doing yourself a disservice if you just play one single guard forever. Mm-hmm. Or whatever you you should never be the person that says I, I'm I'm a De La Hiva player. He doesn't like that, mm-hmm. and I agree because why put yourself in that box? You know, don't you want to be great? The the greatest people, um, and I think he uses the example of like Lucas Lepre plays like if you ever watch that guy compete, he's like. Every guard is like the shit, you know? I mean, he just mm-hmm. goes, he's a master at that stuff. He is amazing. Now, 
I'm not saying like if you're some high level competitor that this is your game that you shouldn't go to that every time. Mm-hmm. But as a jujitsu, you know, life learner, and you want to be well rounded, you should start working on other aspects of your game. You always have that comfortable spot to go back to, and that's his point. That one you've conquered. That mini game you know. You know, let's move on and develop other ones so that. And there's so many. And he, his mm-hmm. point is, is everyone is a mini game. You know, it's like we're on our knees starting. If let's say you're not standing and starting the round, or let's say you, you submit or you get submitted during the round, you know, sometimes you don't just stand up and start going again, right from the feet. Sometimes you just slap fist bump and go from the ground or whatever, you know, you submitted me, let's go from here. Hmm. That's a game in itself. Are you going to get grips first? That's the grip fighting game. Okay. You lost grip or I got this grip. Here's another aspect of the game until you get into a guard. So it's really cool stuff. Um, We'll post it in one of our social media. We'll tag Mm -hmm. John John Thomas and uh, we'll post it for you because I really love his YouTube page. I study that guy a lot and he has great jujitsu already, but I love the way he approaches learning more than anything because he just really packages it nicely and it makes so much sense. And it really is what people... Most instructors are trying that anyway, or, or trying mm-hmm. to relay the information. You don't want to, if you're in a decent school, you're probably not every day learning something new. Because mm-hmm. that kind of goes to Patrick's point of sometimes the instructors where he came from, they would just teach whatever came to mind that day. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, but it doesn't make it for the best learning experience if you're just all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. But as a student, you don't really have control of what you're learning or what your instructor is going to teach. So you have to really take some of that upon on yourself. Um, so if you see a weakness in your game and let's take, let's break it down to like even the guard game. Um, Cause he has another great video on guard and how he believe like what he believes with guard playing guard. And it's like um, his, his whole thing is like, just, Develop like three to start, and I'm talking to people starting out. And this goes back to how how are you going to learn? Like when I first asked you, how are you going to teach a new person? This could go for them. As a, as a teacher, you could say, I want you to learn three basic guards. It's going to take a while to do that, but it 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 makes it more palatable than I got to learn everything. I got to learn all these guards. It's yeah. just so much. And I remember when I was new, I was like, I literally didn't even know what. The guard names were what they were, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when you first start, it's like, what's reverse de la Eva? You know, I didn't know that. I didn't know what that was, sure. you know? And so his point is, is like, as you're going through your journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. So that's why it's, I think it's really applicable here is like, take, you know, let's, let's say you, you like the half guard with the underhook or something. Um, we know we're good at that. Let's develop a couple other guards, okay? So you're going to get, you're going to develop, and he also says, you know, you got to develop guard retention on every guard. So guard retention For comes sure. first. Yeah. That comes first. Then you're going to um, set up whether you're attacking, sweeping, or um, let's say resting is what he says. Because those are the three things you do when you're in guard. Mm-hmm. You really do. Um, there's going to be times when you need to rest and you're just like, maybe some stud wrestler blue belts coming at your ass and he's just like you know and you literally you know you have to have time to stall so 
there might not, you might, you need to get into a guard that you can rest, maybe yeah. a closed guard or something where you just close yeah. them up, you know? Um, he likes sit up guard. Like he likes single leg sit up John Thomas. Mm-hmm. That's one of his, his games, but he's like, it's not a great submission guard, but I love, it's a s- amazing sweeping guard. Yeah. And it's really good for entries. You can yeah, enter into a exactly. lot of different places from there. So once you start recognizing those things, so if you're, if you're newer and you don't have a lot of guard experience, you know, just start developing one, then move to another one. Then you can start transitioning and learning the transitions between those. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you can move on. That might take six months. It might take two years. It just depends on the person, but yeah. you have to have something that you're focusing on. And the point is, is that you as the learner need to focus on that. You know, yeah. it can't be, and we've said this before. It can't just, we're, are you our experiences are unique. The instructor, the academy owner, the black belt is only going to put out information, and they can help you. They can help you with this type of stuff. But everyone's their own person. Those they people have responsibilities for many, many students. So you have to take it upon yourself to understand these concepts. And this is a great one: is like developing these three guards, knowing an attack, a sweep, and a rest. What what they're good for understanding what guards yeah. are good for this is stuff that i've in the last couple of years is just coming to me like really mm-hmm. deeply understanding like oh that makes so much sense like that guard it's not good for that like why am i always trying that you know or if i need a safe guard i shouldn't be playing this card i need to mm-hmm. clo- do something else or get into a different position right um so you know he says the three guards don't get caught up in the one guard because just because of this point exactly, every guard has its purpose. Yeah. Like a spider guard, if you're a spider guard player, you you're great at attacking, throwing triangles mm-hmm. on platas, like, but it's not the greatest stalling guard, really. No, you gotta be active. You gotta be active, you know? Yep. So that's his point. Um it's not the best sweeping guard either, mm-hmm. spider guard. Because yeah. you're extended out, you're you know, the other now, if they're maybe on their knees, it's a little bit different. I'm not saying there's no sweeps from there. Obviously, you can off balance somebody very nicely, but mm-hmm. his point is, is, and I, if I recall, this is great too. He's like, let's say you're a spider guard player and you play, I think he even used the term spider guard. I watched this one a couple of weeks ago, but if you're a spider guard player and you're a level nine spider guard player, but the person that you're going against, let's say in a tournament, that guy rolls with 10. He's always rolling with spider guard people, and he's a 10 spider guard passer. Mm-hmm. So his 10 is going to beat your nine. So you, in, And maybe your De La Hiva is an eight, and his De La Hiva passing is only a four. Yeah. So those are the it. things you have to recognize. And it's a really cool way to look at jujitsu and it's very, very applicable and meaningful, you know, and if you start looking at things in those terms, now it's not easy to look at things that that's a, takes a deep understanding of jujitsu and time on the mat, right? He can say these things cause he's, I think he's been training jujitsu for 17 years or something and he's not mm-hmm. an older guy Yeah, been training almost a lot of his life. So, um, pretty decorated and amazing instructor. So Great advice, you know, um, and keep an open mind. I think his last thing I made a note was keep an open mind on uh, training other guards. You know, you got to like, 
you might feel uncomfortable, but you have to spend, and I think he even says like the same thing with you, weeks or a month. And that means like you have to do it in your roles. You have to get out there and put yourself in that position every time or drill on the side with your pal. I want to just be put in, I want single leg or single, let's go to X guard. I keep getting my X guard passed. I need to figure out something here. I'm going to play it until I get good at it. And that's how you mm-hmm. will get good. And that's how we've all gotten good. We just don't know it. Yeah. The, the things that you think you're good at in jujitsu, it's because you spend a lot of time doing them, mm-hmm. obviously. So yeah. step outside the box and get good at some other things. Then you can start really seeing a bigger picture and maybe not mapping things all the way through, like I said, like he said, but when you find yourself in a position, you're familiar with that mini game. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, teaching is something that like I've, I like to teach, um, just in this context of jujitsu and we we're talking about De La Hiva just cause it's fresh on my mind and we've been hammering it, um, mm-hmm. the, the past month or so, you know, and I'm presenting it, you know, the techniques are the techniques, but I'm the way that I think about the information and this is what I was telling somebody uh, recently is, you know, I have the points of control. These points of control are for a specific goal. So when you're in De La Hiva, I mean, it's a, it's a strong guard, but you have, it's one of the ones you have to be, you have to be active in. You need to be attacking the person's base. You need to be, uh, off balancing them. And that's one of the goals. So these points of control, you know, you have to know what they are and you have to be attacking the the far leg, kicking the person out so that you can address the posture right it's a postural game so you know you have certain goals that each person is trying to do and so i'm trying to you know with this collar grip or this sleeve grip i'm trying to break this person's posture get them nice and spread out maybe you're transitioning to deep delahiva x or maybe you're going to x guard single leg x maybe you're sweeping but you have to have the big picture the techniques are just the the different pathways that you're that you're getting to these different places, you know? Um, and if you lo- but if you lose sight of the big picture of I'm trying to move on, but he's broke. He, he's now broke my Delahiva hook and the ankle grip or the pant grip. Yep. So like, I can't, I can't move on cause I lost two out of the three points of control. I've got to, you know, so your, your, your decision tree has to kind of look like I have to have these three points and I need to be attacking the the person's base so that I can advance, right? you know, and, or go to something else. You know, when I lose, when I lose the collar grip or when I lose the collar grip, maybe I'm going to grab a sleeve grip or I'm going to grab a cross collar grip, or I'm going to just completely transition out to single leg X. Um, So you have to, the, the big picture, I guess, and that's kind of what I try and am putting the way I'm trying to present the information is. And when we transitioned to passing the Delahiva, it was the same thing. It was like, look, these are the points of these are the, all the same points of control. Um, he has a Delahiva hook. He's got my pant or he's got my pants or my ankle and he's got a collar or a sleeve, mm-hmm. you know, so. It's just that my, the goals are different from the top players. So you got to remove them. You have to, I have to address 
first first thing I want to address is the posture because if my posture is broken, he can pull me over the top. Yeah. He can sweep. He can, you know, whatever. So you got to address this. You got then you're going to address these next sequential things so that you can either pass the guard, crowd the hips, or I'm going to pass from the outside. So, you know, whatever that, whatever that kind of looks like, but you still have to know like the big picture stuff is way more important than getting lost in the weeds. And I think that's where a lot of teachers, it's something that I try and I'm pretty aware of, I think, but, uh, you know, being a new instructor, I'm trying to really hard not to make sure I don't get lost in the details. Yeah. You know, you can completely lose somebody by over, you can, over, you can totally over teach things. Yeah. Um, I've seen, I've seen people just completely over teach it where, I mean, it's like you've got a white or a new blue belt and you're going down to every detail and it's something that they have never seen before. Right. So, um, it's a it, it's a trade-off. Yeah, you want your technique to look clean. But at the same time, this is the first time somebody is seeing it, first yeah. time they're practicing. It's not it's not going to look pretty. Yeah. Um so you have it's like a trade-off to where if I overteach this concept or I overteach all these different techniques, they're not going to get any of it because they're they're they it's too much. Yeah. You know, exactly. so you have to I think that it's good to Keep it basic, but also look at the higher approach of, listen, if you've got these three grips and you're controlling the posture on bottom, you know, you need, then here's, here's a couple of techniques that we're going over for the day to get you into a sweep or a Mm -hmm. whatever. And then from top, look, if this guy's got your posture, you got to bust, you got to bust that sleeve grip so that you can, you know, so that you can move on. Yeah. And then here's a couple of techniques that, you know, the techniques are, you're going to see a million different ways to, yeah. to pass De La Hiva. And some of them are going to work for you, for the person. Some of them are not. Everybody's going to learn different things. That's why I think you have to see, you know, when you've been doing this for 10, 12, 15 years or even longer, you've just seen so many techniques. Yeah. You grab onto the things that work for you, mm-hmm. but you still, you know. You still have to see then the newer player still has to see all of these different techniques for sure. So you have to see the high road and then, yeah, we're going to get a couple techniques that can help get you there. Yeah. Um, and, and over time you're going to see, you know, you're going to see and so much that your game is going to develop based on the things that you're really good at. But yeah. Um, you know, yeah, that's I think- how I, that's how I'm like trying to present. Yeah, that's good. The That's what you have to do because there's so much. There's just so much, you know. It's like, there's so uh, much. I think both for what we said today, it's like you got the bigger picture. You know, you have your 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 different positions. That's kind of a game within a game, right? The whole mm-hmm. big picture is jujitsu, and then you dive down into the stand up. What are your options there? Into the different guards, and once you get into the guard, like the daily Hiva, then you have the different techniques within the guard. And some of those yeah. techniques are sweeping, some are submitting, some are stalling. There's so much to learn that I think that I, we can't profess that enough is like you have to take time to somehow gather that information on your own and come up with a plan. And, and it is mind mapping. It is a mental approach to how you're retaining information. 
because you're going to get a lot thrown at you. You know, I do a couple of things like when I'm coaching just to try to help that out is like, maybe I'm showing a specific, uh, something specific in within a guard. Um, but I always try to like, if we have time, I'll step it back and step it forward before and after we get to that position. So that, um, it's like, how did you get to whatever it is? Like, let's say you're in like a side control. How did you get to side control? So, or let's say the lesson is on side control attacks or side control. Let's say the lesson is on side control. Mm -hmm. Let's dumb it down all the way back. Yeah. Um, what are the positions in side control, right? It's not just one. You mm -hmm. can have your hips one way. You can have your hips the other way. You can have cross face. You can have your arm over their head mm -hmm. and you can be facing their lower half. There's a lot of different positions to hold people. You know, some might be better to transition in north south. Some might be better to pressure from side control, maybe to go to knee on belly or something. So you have that. Let's say that's the uh, technique of the day. And this is applicable. This is something I actually showed recently is those different positions, how to, how to position your body in side control. That might be something that, you know, the, the fun stuff is all the other stuff, but the, to, to get basics, if you're teaching someone like a fundamental, it's like, how do you hold somebody down in side control? If you don't know, and you put both your arms on one side of the person's body, one or the other, you're going to get swept. But if you don't know mm -hmm. that, you don't know, you know, you have yep. to have, you know, your, your arm positioning, you're, you're blocking the hips, your head control. You can imagine, I'm sure you're imagining different scenarios as side control. Mm -hmm. My point is, is if that's the lesson, I always try to like, just a little bit, show something in the front end and the back. So how did we get to side control? So it could just be a real quick path guard pass. Maybe we don't do deep lesson on that, or maybe I do mm -hmm. a, a something small or just show it. Then we're in side control. And then maybe the, to finish it up where maybe we weren't going to work on too many attacks, I'll show an attack from side control, you know? So it's mm -hmm. extending that lesson out a little bit. And because every, if everything's in a window, I'm just learning this one thing, the Ezekiel choke. Yeah. How did the person get to that position? That's the, I, man, you know, that you have so to have important. so much knowledge to get to do that. So I can see those pathways as so can you, yeah. but not everybody can. So I always yeah. try to teach a pathway into it or, and out of it or, or vice versa or whatever it is. You know, if you understand what I'm saying, I always try to like and, put some information on the front end and the back end so that it's like, here's how you get here guys. Okay. To start yeah. the lesson of the day. So yeah, that takes time though. It takes for time. sure. And, and you know, and in, in, in the beginning, you know, people want to, man, I want to learn this. Yeah. I want to learn this arm bar. I want to learn this triangle. And it's like, man, I mean, I can show you how to, I can show you that. Right. Like, I can totally show you this triangle. I can totally show you this Kimura. I can totally show you this, but what, what you're not seeing, what the person may not be seeing or not you or anybody in particular, but what a person who's saying this might, is probably not seeing is there were so many steps that led up to that finish. Yeah. You don't like the finish doesn't even matter. Yeah. The finish is just like the, the finish could be dependent on exact, totally dependent on what you, totally. how you set it up, you know? So totally. 
And so it's it's all these it's all of the steps that lead up to that's just the end. Yeah. You know, it's just the end. And the end is, you know, the the part that people want to learn and they think is super cool. And I think w- with time and experience you you learn that it's it's actually like the all of those little bitty things that happened along the way. Yeah. That's the cool part and the end is just the natural progression of having somebody completely locked up and they're just checkmated. Like you can't, they, there's nowhere else to go besides exactly. that. Yeah. You know, there's no more room. There's no more space. There's no more, there's no more outs. That's just the natural end to all of these other steps. Yeah. That's the, that's the fun part. I love that part. Yeah. Checkmate. Checkmate. <laughs> yeah. On that note, covered a lot. Covered a lot. Covered a yeah, lot. I hope, uh, you know, I guess, you know, if I were to end on one thing, uh, to, and this is kind of, kind of circle back and then we'll kind of wrap it up, but this will kind of circle back to what we were talking about in the beginning is how to organize all this information and, and the mapping component. Um, if you're a, somebody and then you're wanting to start a training journal, um, you know, it can be yours. I would, my suggestion would be to have it as get the, the big picture, the key points and keep it simple because you won't use the training journal. If it takes you 20 or 30 minutes out of your day to fill out all the information, you're not going to use it. It's too much time and it's too much information. It really needs to be succinct. It should take no more than five or 10 minutes to fill out. And to to write something down, you're just looking at big picture points and maybe a few goals for each position on how to mm-hmm. get to the next. And you can, I use a lot of, in mine, I use a lot of arrows. So it's like, I'm here, I draw an arrow, maybe I draw three arrows to to what we've kind of talked about today. You know, you could do a position, you have three arrows. One is a transition, one is a sweep, one is, a, you know, submission. Um, a submission, yeah, you know, and you can, you can map that out however you want. And so then when, when you start putting it all together, you should be able to go back. Maybe you're six months down the road, you're wanting to review some, some De La Hiva, or you're wanting to review some bottom side control. You've got boom, this I've got here, are my transitions, you flip to another page on each one of those. And now you start to connect the dots on, mm-hmm. on where, where you're at, what you're doing at, at every exact moment. Yeah, that's great advice. You can do it on the so, on the. You can do it from the top and the bottom. You know. Yeah. Here's my top position. What's my submission? What's my pass? What's my stall? I mean, you can look at it that way. What's a safe yeah. position? And I think over time, if you take these notes and you start realizing, maybe after six months, a year, maybe you have a lot of notes on closed guard. Mm-hmm. And you're really feeling your develop. It, it's a good way to look back and validate maybe how you're feeling about your training. You know, um, I feel like I'm strong in close guard. Look back on your notes. Have you trained a lot of close guard? Are you making a lot of those connections and those arrows? You know, is it solid? And if that's the case, that's fine. It's time to move on and learn something new. doesn't mean you're demanding, yeah. abandoning that at all. Your instructor might teach that in another two months and you can add to it, but we have to develop other aspects of the game because ultimately you don't know where your opponent's ever going to take you. 
So yeah. they, they, you, they might take you to a place that you're un- unfamiliar with and it might be their a game. So yeah. that's why it's important to, um, if that happens, going back to what I said, maybe if you have the three guards that let's say you're at the three guard level, you're comfortable with three guards. Maybe, you know, a little bit about other ones, but those three, guess what? You're going to find ways to get back to those, one of those three guards. And if you have mm-hmm. like three, and it just makes so much sense. If you have like three strong guards, like what John Thomas was saying, where you're, you know, you can sweep, submit or, or rest. I mean, you are if, and I'm saying they're strong. Exactly. They're, that's good. Like, I'm still doing that. You know, I'm still trying to develop mm-hmm. all my guards. You know, some of them are weak as shit. <laughs> yeah. Admittedly, I just don't play a lot, some of them, but I do try to get into those positions more and more because I know stuff that I can get into and I can lock someone down. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, I've been doing this a long time. So, that, but that doesn't do anything for me. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. I want to, maybe I just want to get into that position and work stuff from there, but I'm always trying yeah. to, step outside the box and that's going to mean you're probably going to have to take some hits in training. You're going to get past, you're going to have some ego checks, you know, I mean, quite frankly, but you're going to develop and grow from that, you know, and Mm -hmm. and really develop more guards because if you get to a level of some high level guard players, they, you literally can't do anything to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's frustrating. (laughs) For sure. Um, so also, if you're a one guard player, you got to switch it up because guess what? Your training partners, people are going to start recognizing the guard you play. This has happened to me and they know your tricks and you better have something else for it because they're either going to not let you get to that guard or they're going to learn how to pass it eventually yep. or give you problems with it. So mm-hmm. vary it up. So all these things we've been talking about, it all makes sense. It's like first you have to kind of see, visualize some of the concepts we're talking about. Um, it's really just focused thought on different aspects of your game and really work on it, you know, and take notes, make a journal or make, make, you know, obviously mind mapping is great, but my concept of jujitsu maps is doing the same thing we're talking about and literally putting it down on a notepad. But I would, I would make like a flow chart. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, the flow charts never connect really because you never know where you're going to be taken, but that is exactly, that's how, that's how come I relate with what John Thomas was saying so much is because I have that same approach to jujitsu where, and it's the same thing you just said, De La Hiva, these are my arrows. This is what I can do from there. But you can't just have that one aspect on your chart or on your notepad. Yeah. Cause you might not always be there. So mm-hmm. be some, you know, have start developing those clusters and look at your training as like a game within a game, you know, try not to get lost in everything, but every position you're in is in a game. And that's really mm-hmm. what the best people do it is, is this is where I'm at. It's my guard against his passing. This is it. I'm going to put my, and yep. that's where you have to have the skills. And that's where it gets down to that deep level of the points of control. And that's like the deepest level, yeah, right? That's, so it's deep. your instructors will teach you the points of control and your coaches for for you as listeners and people training including myself we have to kind of put these things conceptually how i'm going to learn jujitsu how am i going to organize my learning so hopefully we had some some good takeaway today um if you guys uh have any comments throw throw them send us a dm or wes posts 
we have posts go out all week long. Comment on some of our posts. I'm sure we'll be he'll be capturing some of what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, guys and gals, give us a share. If you guys see some of those, share them in your Instagram stories. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like a direct. We see like direct followers from when people share. We get a couple mm-hmm. followers because people just don't know that we're out there. There's a million podcasts at this point. I mean, literally, I think there's like millions of podcasts out there now. So, yeah. or millions of hours of podcasts created every week. So it's like, and there's a lot of jujitsu content out there too. So if you like what we're doing, um, share it, you know, um, obviously you guys are subscribing if you're listening right now, but share some of our social media, maybe tell somebody about it. We've gained a lot of followers that way. We don't have a lot, but we do have we're a lot in of, there. yeah, we have, uh, a lot of loyal followers. Let's just mm-hmm. say that. So, um, and we've gotten some great feedback. So share what we're, our content we're putting out. We're going to get some more guests on. Um, you guys check out, since I mentioned him so much, John Thomas BJJ on social media. We'll, we'll put in one of the clips. We'll, we'll make a little uh, link to his Instagram on one of our clips this week. And uh, we'll set that up because I think he's, he shares some really great insight. There's a lot of technique video out there, guys and gals, but there's not so much on organize, organizing your training. So when I see stuff like that, he's not the only one that does that. There's other people that put that out there on what methods you can do to better learn jujitsu. Um, that cut type of stuff is on us, not on the, mm-hmm. on your coaches. So yeah. as, as people learning, we have to develop those things. So we'll try to share some more stuff throughout the week with that. And if you have anything else, let us know. Otherwise, Wes, great talking to you today. Yeah, you too, man. We'll uh, catch everybody up uh, next week. All right, guys. Have a great week and safe training. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Road to Black podcast. Once again, please support our sponsors, the BJJ Physio. Contact Wes. He'll hook you up with some customized programming for your game. Take it to the next level. Therapy, performance, the BJJ Physio. Also, Roll Union Jiu-Jitsu. Check out the latest styles, Jiu-Jitsu, casual wear, training gear. Check them out, RollUnion.com. Follow on Instagram, at RollUnion. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and we will see you next time.